understanding that's where interest rates are. They're not going to go down and deals that hopefully people have invested in the past years didn't have, you know, assumptions that the rates were going to stay really low forever. And then we have this incredible rent growth and cap rates would stay so low, right? If, if people have been underwriting in a prudent manner, I think things will be fine. I think the things that I've invested in and the things I've brought to my investors were done in a responsible way. And while we may have a little bit of short-term pain, I don't think that that's going to be long-term. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives, and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Jeanette Robinson, Director of Investor Relations with Blue Lake Capital, coming to you from actually a very gray and drizzly and kind of rainy day in Boston, Massachusetts. With me today is Matt Pacini. Matt is actually not too far from me up in Brooklyn, and he is the founder of Pacini. It's a real estate group focused on multifamily investments. Previously, he was a certified PMP specializing in digital marketing for over 18 years. And even more interestingly, he and his wife have actually won two Tony Awards as co-producers of the Broadway shows Moulin Rouge and American Utopia, which is very cool. Congratulations, Matt. Thank you. And in addition to that, it seems like you guys invested very wisely and also actively invested in Hamilton and Wicked, correct? Yeah, that's right. Very cool. All right. So Matt writes for Forbes, and he is the author of Your Backstage Guide to Passive Investing. He has a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Musical Theater from the New School out of New York and some additional certifications from Boston University. And he's coming to us, like I said, from Brooklyn today, where he lives with his wife and their two children. So Matt, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> hey, they're your accomplishments. You've done them, which is very fun and interesting. Now, I have to ask, are there any correlations between being a co-producer of Broadway shows and a real estate investor? Oh, my gosh. I could, we could do a whole podcast just on that alone. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's many, many different correlations between the two. You know, for me, you mentioned in the, in the intro how I'm a PMP, right? I'm a, I'm a certified project management professional. It just means I'm really good at managing people, budgets, and timelines. And that works across really any industry, whether it's theater or real estate or digital marketing, which is what I used to be involved in. So, yeah, kind of do everything. Very cool. Very cool. 
Well, to give our, our listeners some additional insight into you, can you kind of just tell us how you ended up doing all of the interesting things you've done and yet still ended up stumbling into real estate investing? What's kind of your background story there? Yeah, well, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and I moved to New York City to pursue a career in theater. I went to a musical theater conservatory. I graduated from there and went on and, and was a professional actor for five years. I was in 15 different productions all across the United States and started tinkering around with computers in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, and started getting a lot of work doing that and ended up starting my own boutique agency doing website development. So that went great for a few years. And then 2001 came along and the dot-com bubble burst and a lot of my clients were going out of business. Mm. And my business was imploding. And just as fate would have at that time, got a phone call from my landlord who told me I had 90 days to get out of the apartment that I was living in. Yikes. That was, yeah, it was a big moment for me. What was I going to do? Try to find a new place to live. I wanted to stay in New York City where I was living, but how could I find a place to rent with no job, you know, no, no income coming in? I ended up not finding a place to rent, but actually buying a place way, 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 way uptown in Washington Heights area, which is not necessarily where I wanted to live, but it was a place, an area that I could afford. But I ended up buying an apartment. And about two and a half years later, I sold that apartment and I saw my initial investment, my down payment in that apartment, more than quadruple, actually. Wow. Yeah. And that was the big light bulb moment for me. You know, at at that point I had taken a job working for Showtime, the cable television channel. They were a client of mine when I had my own agency, they offered me a position in house and I was making a very nice salary, but that one real estate transaction, I made more than I, a whole year's worth of salary. Mm -hmm. So that was like, okay, how can I make that happen again? And how can I make that happen, you know, consistently? So I spent the next about 10 years or so trying to figure that out and and doing real estate on the side as a hobby. And then about seven years ago, I transitioned to doing that as a full-time job. I'm a full-time real estate investor now. Awesome. What a very cool story. And I, I love how you say, you know, that I think everyone has it, that aha moment where it really is very clear that it's going to be a game changer in your life if you really take advantage of it and learn how to put it into, you know, consistent practice. So I think it's very common for almost all investors to have that moment. I'm glad you're sharing it. And actually, that's kind of a good segue into what I was going to talk about next with you, which is consistency, right? So when you become a full-time real estate investor, when you're, you know, working towards becoming a full-time real estate investor, I think one of the things that becomes very important is having that consistency and that discipline, you know, to continue to scale out your portfolio, to continue to stick to your financial goals. And I know that, you know, right now it's been a little bit of a chop, some choppy waters, right? In the economy, it's been a little bit of a scary time. So I'm curious, you know, if you, what type of investor sentiment you're seeing from your investors and, you know, what your perspective is about continuing to move forward in real estate investing in this economy. Well, the sentiment from my investor groups tend to be one of proceeding with caution right now, a little unsure of what's going to happen and, and where things are going to go. And I do think taking a pragmatic approach to investing is important. But I will tell you, and you know this, Jeanette, but 
two thirds of my portfolio are deals that I'm a passive investor in, and one third are deals that I that I'm a general partner in. And it makes a big portfolio. I've got almost four thousand units as a general partner. But as I'm looking at this, whether it's the general partner or the limited partner viewpoint, I'm still making investments. I just did one about a couple of weeks ago. If I can find the right opportunities, I think it makes sense. You know, there's that famous. Warren Buffett quote about, and I'll probably butcher this a little bit, but something about being be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So right now, while there is some fear, it may be a good time to invest. Now, I do think things are going to get a little bit worse before they get better. But, you know, there's another like cliche that you hear all the time about, like, it's not timing of the market, but it's time in the market. No one's going to be able to, you know, successfully predict, you know, when, when is the exact bottom going to be? Who knows? I think there are some great opportunities that are out there right now. And, you know, I just did a whole presentation to a big group of investors just a few days ago talking about the economy and, and the state of the market and, and where things are going. And, and what I said in that was that I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know exactly where things are going, but I look at data. I look at the data that we have of where things are right now. And more importantly, I look at the historic data. And that's how I've always approached my underwriting in real estate. And when I look at that, the historic data, I think it points to some, some really good opportunities coming down the pike. And when I look at the current data, I'll give you an example. The current data, if you look at the SOFR curve, which is the it's the secured overnight financing rate. So it's, it's not necessarily a prediction of exactly what's going to happen in the future, but it, it can give paint a general picture. And what we're seeing is interest rates continuing to rise right now, going into the first quarter of 2023, and then starting to come down, but coming down in a gradual manner. But when you look at the last five tightening cycles, what's happened with the Fed, with the exclusion of 1994, which was kind of an anomaly, what happens is once the Fed gets to the top and they stop raising rates, they then within nine months start to quickly drop them down. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're probably going to have some short-term pain, but I do think longer term, I don't think rates are going to stay there. That's number one. Number two... Rates aren't that bad historically. <laughs> I mean, lately, sure, a year ago we had you know three percent or sub three percent interest rates, so that was you know, but that's not normal. Like we're used to this number, you know, to have rates anywhere between five to seven percent interest rate. That's like historically an average, a normal type of interest rate. So if deals are underwritten in a prudent manner, understanding that's where interest rates are, they're not going to go down, and deals that hopefully people have invested in the past years didn't have, you know, assumptions that the rates were going to stay really low forever. And then we have this incredible rent growth and cap rates would stay so low, right? If, if people have been underwriting in a prudent manner, I think things will be fine. I think the things that I've invested in and the things I've brought to my investors were done in a responsible way. And while we may have a little bit of short-term pain, I don't think that that's going to be long-term you know, you mentioned that I wrote a book. It's called Backstage Guide to Real Estate. And it, it tells my journey from being an actor, knowing nothing about real estate to where I am now. And it shares these keystone concepts that I learned along the way. And keystone concept number five is it's called Cash Flow is King. Mm -hmm. And it just talks about how it's all about cash flow. If you have good cash flow, 
you're going to be able to ride out those inevitable dips that you're going to have in the market because the market is a cycle. It's going to have ups. It's going to have downs. As long as you can make that debt service payment and have a little bit of cushion, I think in the long term, you're going to turn out in a really, really good place. Yeah, I could not agree more. I really can't. Very well said. And I'm glad to see that you know, we're not the only ones within the industry that are still continuing to, you know, move forward. Uh, we just also acquired two assets and have a portfolio that we're currently raising for. And it's just good to know that there is absolutely the sentiment, at least among sponsors, to keep moving forward. And I think that's very important too, you know, for all investors. So very, very cool. Now I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit into talking about strategy. So I know that one of your passions with your company is really building out a better sense of improved community on your properties, right? And so I was curious, you know, what are some of the things that you're doing to enhance kind of the community value that, you know, that basically is in place at your assets and how do you do it? Yeah, you know, early on in my career as as a full-time investor, I had an opportunity to invest in a property with a sponsor who's well-known, who makes a lot of money for people. I went and saw the property and some of the properties that he owned. And for lack of a better term, he was actually a slumlord. And I didn't mm. feel comfortable with that. And that's when I really sat down and thought about, okay, what are my values as an investor and as a sponsor, what you know? What are the things I want to get behind? And you're right. I mean, revitalizing and elevating multifamily communities is what I'm all about. I want to reinvent property ownership as a positive for communities. And I talk about that through blogs and then and speeches and in the actual work that we're doing. And so some of the things that we do, you know, even before COVID started, we've been very, very interested in making sure that people can stay in their homes. We are not in the business of throwing people out of their homes. So we work with people, like I said, prior to COVID, especially during COVID and now after COVID, to make sure that people can actually stay in their homes by working with them, by figuring out payment plans, by figuring out ways to allow them to stay. Now, it's not a charity that I run. It's a business. We are there. We make a profit of actually a very nice profit for our investors. But I believe in win-win opportunity. So where investors can win, where residents can win, and we're actually the staff. We take really good care of our staff. The staff who work at the properties are also winning. And a lot of the things that we do to try to build community is around events. So we'll do different types of events at different times of the year. You know, during the summertime in May, when lots of schools are finishing, graduations and things like that, we did a bunch of different things. We had a, one of our properties, we had a bouncy castle come in. We did a thing with face painting. We do ice cream parties. Right now, we're doing a bunch of things, costume contests and things for Halloween and these, what is it called, trunk entry. <laughs> So we're doing those. For Thanksgiving, we always give out turkeys to our residents. So those are the kinds of things that we do. Then we do some like surprise and delight. Sometimes we'll just sh- we'll have the staff show up in the morning with breakfast sandwiches. And as people are leaving the property, we're just giving out breakfast sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Things like that. That make people happy to be there, feel like they're, you know, cared for and important to us because they are. And then when it comes to like looking at it from a bottom line perspective, and I do think the bottom line can be about more than just dollars and cents. But if you want to look at it from that perspective, one of the largest single costs that we want, that we can have on a unit is the turnover cost of that unit. If we can keep somebody happy and keep them in their unit, we don't have to pay the cost of 
renovating that unit, right, when they're when they leave, and also the vacancy while they're gone, while we're trying to lease it back up, any costs involved with the leasing back up, marketing, those kinds of things. So it's actually really good for the bottom line to keep those tenants happy and keep them in place. They also tend to treat the property a little bit nicer. There's a little less wear and tear on the property <laughs> as a whole. When you have people who are happy to be there and treat it almost as if it's their home rather than just a rental unit. Yeah, I definitely can agree with you. We have a similar approach also with our properties and our tenants. And, you know, for example, I mean, during the time of COVID, we really went above and beyond, you know, as much as we could to, you know, assist the residents, not only just providing, you know, gift cards for groceries, but keeping them up to date with resources, you know, that were available throughout the community, whether they were dealing with economic hardship, medical hardship, you know, any type of educational hardships, childcare hardships, employment. We kept a pretty ongoing extensive list of, of immediately available resources that we made available to them. And at the end of the day, I think the tenants truly, not all, I'm sure, but I think the majority really do appreciate that. And I think that they actually do develop more of an inclination to stay current on their rents in relationship-based transactions like that. And I think also, candidly, when you make a really positive environment for people, they don't mind paying a little bit more to stay in that environment either, right? When you look at it from the bottom line. So nice. I'm glad to see that you think that way. We also believe that's very important, both from a bottom line perspective and from a humanitarian perspective. So that's good. I hope more sponsors out there, you know, start to pay a little bit more attention and provide a little bit more intrinsic value to to that. So good, good. Well, thanks for sharing kind of some of the ideas and things that you do. It's always good to hear what everybody else is doing. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Well, good, Matt. This has been very interesting and fun, and I appreciate you talking about, you know, kind of various little things here. Before I let you go, we do have what we call the lightning round questions, which are five questions. Uh Yep. Five questions I ask everybody on the show. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to let you speak to it. So what would you actually say is your hobby? My hobby, besides my kids, I'm a big, big fan of the arts and specifically music and musical theater. That's exactly what I would have guessed. Yes, definitely. Just out of curiosity, how did you guys end up stumbling into the opportunity of investing in musicals? You know, I have a background in theater. My wife, that's her full-time job. She's on the business end of Broadway. And so through that and through those relationships, we've just had some opportunities to get involved. We have a lot of opportunities to get involved. Most of the time we say no. (laughs) It's level involved in this. But, you know, we've we've been fortunate enough to have a, a few successes, which is nice. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And so now this will make it a little bit more challenging for you. What is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, well, I don't know because I feel like my book, I I spilled all the beans on all the good stuff. But if you haven't read my book, I used to be a costume character at Walt Disney World when I was in high school. (laughs) So if you pick up the book, you can see a picture of me dancing around Main Street dressed in a loincloth dressed like Mowgli from the Jungle Book. Oh, nice. I loved the Jungle Book. (laughs) All right. Now, what about as far as a book? Are you currently reading anything, you know, that has really made a big impact on you? And obviously, aside of your own book, is there any other book that you would recommend people should prioritize to read? Yeah, I mean, I just recently finished Ray Dalio's Principles for the Changing World Order, 
Ray Dalio is, is the head of a, well, actually, he just retired like a couple of weeks ago, but he was the head of one of the largest hedge funds in the country. And it, it talks about market cycles. And it goes back way, way, way back in time to like the Ming Dynasty and, you know, basically looking at the different societies and different cycles and the cycles of world powers. Talking about China, talking about America, talking about, you know, the Dutch and the British. It's a very interesting book. It's got a lot of history in it. It has a lot of, I think, like macroeconomic lessons in it. And I found it fascinating. Read or listen. It's available on audiobook, which is how I actually got that. I listened to it on audio. Nice. I will definitely have to check in to that one for sure. Okay. So one of the values that we have here at Blue Lake, you know, that we very seriously mean is we want to be able to help our investors build extraordinary lives. So what is your advice for living an extraordinary life? You know, I think it all comes down to adding value. That's something that that we do, you know, if you talk about the real estate stuff, you know, we do value add, but I think just more so in life, if you can add value, if you can bring something to people, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's like a little cheesy kind of karma-y, but the more that I find that I put out in the world and try to be a positive force and a force for good and change, it seems to come back. I don't know. But I, I think that that is, that's the thing that I look to do, just try to generate some, some positive change. I think that's a great answer. Excellent answer. All right. And so last but not least, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Oh, I would recommend that you go to Pacheni.com. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, but just in case it's P-I-C-H-E-N-Y.com. I've got some great material that you can download for free. I've got a free blog with tons of real estate information. You can find out more about my book. You can sign up for my monthly newsletter. It's all there. It's all on Pacheni.com. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking some time just to share a little bit of your wisdom and experience with us. I also appreciate your sunshine and positive spirit. And for you that listened in today, thank you so much. Please don't forget to like, rate, and review our show. Leave some notes for us and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And in the words of Ellie, continue to be bold, be brave, and keep moving forward. We'll see you guys next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.